Previously on Story Jazz, Prince Ford, I mean, Fandango. So I take it you know what we're after as well? I know. I just don't know why. And then she sighs and and presses the emergency stop button. We cut to the interior of the smaller blimp. I'm more than ready, boss. And Barry immediately pulls down his pants. <laughs> Cletus looks like he could be Bruce. And I'm Bruce, says Bruce. Or rather, Cletus, disguised as Bruce. Barry simply kicks off his shoe and sends it flying through the room and into the microwave. The locks inside the door open. Inside the box is a beautiful blue diamond. A diamond that Fandango's father stole many years ago and the one that landed him in prison. What it means is fuck you, dad. And Cletus reaches into the box and just takes the diamond with his bare hand and then almost stumbles as a sudden blaring noise rings out. Boim! Boim! What an inconvenient time for a fire alarm. <laughs> One last cigarette. He used to smoke a pipe. He used to be a proper English gentleman. But now he's just another criminal waiting to be put away. This is years before that highest heist, that ridiculous attack on the glass airship. This is the past. Fandango is a child, and his father is going to prison. In a break between the proceedings of the court, Cletus and Fandango's father are outside the building, smoking one last cigarette together. Fandango's father clears his throat and says one of the last things he will ever say to Cletus Vu. <clears throat> you, uh, you gotta promise me something, Cletus. Promise? Yes, even back then, Cletus sounded like an old man. <laughs> yeah, promise. Nothing big. I just, I don't want the boy getting as big of a head as I got. You know what I mean? If you're asking me to keep him away from the heist industry, I think it's a little late for that. <laughs> yes, I know, Cletus. What I'm asking you is, don't let him fall into the hubris I fell into. You know, once he starts just doing it to hurt people, I want you to bring him down. Bring him down hard. Cletus doesn't answer, but takes the cigarette from Fandango's father and gives it a puff himself. All right, old friend. Give, uh, give Eleanor my regards. And then he heads back inside the courthouse with his orange jumpsuit, ready to go away for good.
Welcome back, everyone, to Story Jazz, an improvised narrative podcast with your hosts, Softy and Sam. That one's me, the second one, that the Sam one. That that's me. And the other one is Softy. That's me. <laughs> We're glad to not see or hear you again. It's why been... do you always say that? That that like really bugs me. Because I'm not glad to not be seeing them. I can't say that I'm glad to see them or that I'm glad to hear them because I can't hear or see them. But I am glad to be here with them. So I'm glad ah. not, I'm not glad not to, but I'm glad to be here not seeing or not hearing them. <laughs> Today we are concluding our heist arc, right? That's the plan. That's the plan. We actually don't know because we're recording this before we record this. But, right. Um, we're recording this as we record this, but I, I see what you're saying. It hasn't happened yet. But it's going to happen. I know it. Fandango's story is coming to some sort of conclusion. Whether or not there will be more stories involving this great uh, heisting squad, well, well, we'll have to see that in the, in the future. The answer is yes. There will definitely be more. I think that I endeavor, whenever I'm imagining uh, the stories of story jazz the many volumes i always imagine that there will be a, a another story yeah i don't ever finish a story thinking that that's the last we'll hear of these characters though if i keel over and die tomorrow i'll be on the other side thinking of more stories of fandango <laughs> you better believe it we will send stories over from the other world through our avatars in the ghost hunter universe Harriet and yes, Spencer just, and Graham will find us, even though they're fictional characters, they will somehow. <laughs> so where do we start this episode? I think we need to start kind of media res as Cletus and Barry Bertolini are stuck on a catwalk surrounded by armed guards on all sides. As a quick reminder, we have Xena and Fandango uh, on an airship, supposedly fueling. Yeah. Um, and we have one Prince Fordham, Eddie Eddie Fordham, in an office arguing about vacuum cleaners and mops. And we have Beatrice Lamontagne and our one and only Gwen Stone stuck in an elevator. Here we re enter the world of story jazz Fandango. <laughs> Can you give us a nice like swoosh sound like a like a coming back to you know you you always do these Was that good? Yes, I think I we it, can fade that over into the music. Yeah, right? we definitely can. An old man who looks like a young man and a Barry Bertolini that looks exactly like a Barry Bertolini. <laughs> stand on a catwalk slightly on the tips of their toes like they should be walking carefully, but the time has long passed. They're frozen. And an alarm is blaring. <coughs> My favorite noise. <laughs> All around them, guards with automatic rifles pointed at them. All around them in the entire airship, dozens of them. And coming from the cluster of offices at the end of the catwalk, a flustered young CEO of a cleaning utensils company, Prince Edgar Eddie Fordham. Get them! Hold, hold them right there! They, they're trying to steal! This is the heist, right? The heist is happening right now? Stop them! Cletus leans over to Barry and says, I think 
This is your moment, Mr. Bertolini. What? Well, I, 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 I thought you were sabotaging this whole op- operation. Like, what, what are you even doing? You, you took the diamond out of the box. And um, Cletus holds the blue diamond, a fist-sized gem that sparkles like moving water in his incredibly soft fingertips and gives Barry a meaningful look. All stops now, my friend. We pull all stops. They're gonna shoot us! What do you mean we're gonna pull all stops? Most of these men are behind bulletproof glass right now. You have a moment to think of something. Better make it good. And uh, right as he holds up the diamond in front of him, two guards pointing their rifles at them accompany Eddie Fordham down the catwalk toward them. And there are only a few meters separating them now. One of the guards goes, put the diamond on the ground. And Cletus gently places the big blue diamond on the glass catwalk. We need a name for this thing, like like the ocean's eye or... Can't use oceans. That's already too heisty. Oh, <laughs> Through the headset, we hear Fandango's voice cry out in, in, in almost anger. Cletus, what are you doing? Don't surrender that. Why did you even take it out of the box? What are you, mad? I'm putting the diamond here. No one needs to get hurt. And he lifts his hands up and he takes a step away. Barry Bertolini also steps back, looking around nervously. He's trying to come up with something, but he doesn't know if Flair will get them out of this situation. Meanwhile, in the elevator... Beatrice LeMontagne and security officer Guinevere Stone are watching all of this transpire a few glass decks above them. Hmm. Prince Fordham's response time is a tad faster than I expected. Not bad, not bad. Are we uh, ever going to join them up there or are you going to just keep me uh, locked up here for the rest of <laughs> the episode? Gwyn. <laughs> <laughs> We, we uh, a quick reminder, the elevator is still stopped after Gwyn stopped it in order to uh, keep Beatrice away from everything that is happening. Uh, yes, uh, I'm sorry, Miss LaMontagne. Well, at least you have the decency to apologize. <sighs> I'm just worried they will get everything mixed up up there. Fordham has such a chaotic energy. And I, I could, could help them figure the whole situation out. I think what Cletus is trying to do is admirable, but I don't know if it'll work. Uh, Cletus, ma'am? Gwen tries to feign ignorance. Um, Beatrice looks at Gwen's confused face and goes, Oh, but of course. You didn't think I didn't recognize him, did you? I mean, I honestly didn't know which of the two he was at first, but I, <laughs> but I, but I knew that he was coming in if Fandango was coming. Gwen, Gwen just swallows. Do you know about the diamond, dear? No, ma'am. Well, let me tell you what it is. That stone isn't just one of the most valuable gemstones on the planet. That stone is a trade-off. A a trade-off, ma'am? Yes, very good. Keep repeating what I say and then I know that you're listening. A trade-off for the freedom of the most ruthless crew of thieves that this planet has ever seen. Fuck. Real fast, real fast. Uh, give me the name of another Spanish dance. Um, flamenco? 
It's a crew you must have heard of if you're doing your job right at all. A crew that was known as the Flamenco. Gwen is suddenly fixated on the woman with a different air than before. She was fixated in fear before at the idea of losing her livelihood and her life to many years in prison if this woman got loose. But now she's fixated in curiosity. You haven't heard of them? Really? Um, no, ma'am. So you're neither doing your job very well as a security officer nor as a heister. Gwen swallows. (laughs) (laughs) I'll keep it short for you. That diamond was the greatest prize that the flamenco crew ever stole. And when their leader, (laughs) Senor Flamenco himself, was put in jail, he offered up the location of the diamond and returned it to its owners in return for the rest of his crew to be released indefinitely. On the condition that should the diamond ever be heisted again, the crew would also be sentenced to life in prison. Now think hard. Who do you think was on that crew? Gwen can't help herself as she looks out the wall of the glass elevator at the refueling blimp below. That's right. Technically, Fandango was on that. His father was (laughs) Senor Flamenco. There you see the tradition of the chosen names. Cletus was with us too, and yes, I said us. If that diamond is stolen, that is not just a big fuck you to Fandango's father. That is a big fuck you to the entire heist industry. Putting the most legendary crew that has ever existed, if I do say so myself, back on the market for incarceration. Why? Why would... Fandango. Gwen abandons her her feigning ignorance and cover. Why would Fandango and Cletus sign up for such a deal? Beatrice looks up through the glass at the catwalk at Cletus and the blue diamond in the middle of the glass floor and says, Why Fandango should do this, I can only imagine but I don't think Cletus is adhering to the plan. And suddenly, on the other side of the airship, preluded only by the ding of a microwave, (gasps) an explosion rocks the glass blimp. Barry Bertolini's shoe (laughs) explodes. (laughs) Beatrice... (laughs) Beatrice and Guinevere... um... Look up, shocked. Gwen grabs hold of Beatrice and stabilizes them in the elevator as it begins to rock back and forth. Beatrice looks seriously disturbed for a moment and mumbles, That was unpredicted. Back on the catwalk, the soldiers and Barry Bertolini and Cletus Vu and Eddie Eddie Fordham all get rocked to the ground as splintering spiderweb cracks rise up on either side of the blimp. The bulletproof glass was not made to withstand an internal explosion. Ah! Eddie falls to the ground. My blimp! What's happening to my blimp? Cletus, once stabilizing himself, well grabbed... <laughs> grabs the blue diamond off the ground and lunges forward towards Eddie, Eddie Fordham. He almost tackles Eddie to the ground and Eddie squeals until Cletus uh, smacks a hand on his mouth 
and jams the diamond inside his $10,000 business suit and into the inside breast pocket. If you want to live, defend this like it's your life. And Eddie stares up at him with wide, confused eyes and then just nods, but nods with a question mark. <laughs> uh, I, I did something. I don't really know what. This is very Bertolini. <laughs> I did a thing. Is this good? <laughs> as uh, he, he walks down the catwalk, sort of balancing as the whole ship is still rocking, um, in the distance we can see that a hole has been blown in the side of the coffee room, and the glass is still holding together for the most part, but as you said, spiderweb cracks are expanding across the entire ship. Barry approaches the two guards who are on the ground. One of them is grabbing his rifle, wants to point it up at him. But Barry surprises him by leaning down and going, <laughs> For our listeners, I, um, he hooks his fingers into his mouth and then sticks out his tongue and makes that noise. The guard is so shocked that Barry has time to kick the rifle from his hands. And it goes sailing down the, from the catwalk and into the belly of the undercarriage. Cletus pulls Prince Eddie to his feet, and Barry Bertolini and Prince Fordham and Cletus Vu make their way down the catwalk together. The last guard left behind with his rifle points it toward them and gets ready to shoot, but then a voice comes through on his earpiece. Uh, don't shoot. Um, don't, don't do that. Don't, everybody, like, stand down. Uh, I think, um... There's some, there's some relevant new information coming in. Gwyn's voice is telling everyone to stand down, and everybody is very confused. As Barry, Cletus, and Eddie run through the hallways of the glass blimp, Barry says, Okay, like, what? What? What are we doing? What's our goal right now? Are we still escaping? Are we taking this guy with us? And Fandango's voice comes over the line. God! Damn it, Cletus, I knew you would do something like this. Why? why, why? Must you betray me at this most, most essential of my heists? The, the most biggest one yet you, you have to ruin now. We were friends, damn you. Cletus pushes an invisible button on his invisible earpiece, somehow <laughs> interrupting Fandango's rant. What can I say, old friend? You had it coming. And now... We're coming. We're coming downstairs to face you. And they start running down the stairs that wind around the elevator. And as they pass Guinevere and Beatrice, they uh, wave awkwardly at them. Beatrice, concerned as she watches Barry Bertolini, the first person she has ever not been able to predict. As Barry trips down the stairs because he's walking with one boot and smacks him to one of the railings and then stabilizes himself and keeps running down the stairs after Eddie and Cletus. And Beatrice's concern is mirrored with our own as we wonder, is, is his other boot explosive as well? What happens if he falls and loses his other boot? It's not, it's not tied. He didn't tie his shoes, folks. Uh, Gwen hits her Wilford uh, radio security force team headset and says, um, uh, crew and security, could you 
make your way towards the nearest um, safety flotation devices because we're probably going to go down in the next 30 minutes here and operate a normal uh, safety protocols. Please seal all valuable offices and units and then make your way towards the designated uh, uh, escape vessels. And a lot of a bunch of voices come through from the other side. Affirmative, affirmative, affirmative. Everybody names their names and affirms the command. And then Gwen unlocks the elevator door and then picks up Beatrice LaMontagne and runs down the stairs after Cletus. <laughs> Everybody arrives on the lowest level, the uh, storage and toilets level of the blimp at the same time. The refuel station has a big green light blinking. The refuel process has been completed. But the little refueling blimp is still attached. And unless they somehow slip by a hundred eyes and a hundred cameras in a glass blimp, Xena and Fandango are still in there. Prince Eddie Fordham, Cletus, Barry Berlini, Beatrice Lemontaine, and Security Officer Guinevere Stone are all set up in front of the entrance to the smaller blimp. In the distance, guards are evacuating the blimp. Um, it is still floating perfectly fine, um, but... It's starting to go down. It's starting to go down. Uh, the captain's voice comes through. <laughs> the captain's voice Forgot comes through the loudspeakers. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Um, this is Captain Wilfred... Uh, this is Captain Wilfred of Love the USS Wilfred. Um, Wilfred is my last name. My, my first name is Winona. Uh, so you might have uh, heard that there is a hole. We've got a hole in our undercarriage. And this doesn't mean that we are going to crash or anything. We're losing some uh, aerodynamicness and some pressure, and this is a big problem. So we're definitely going in for an impromptu landing. We're still over Seattle, so it's it's gonna be a rough one. But yeah, uh, prepare for that. Uh, we should have like a handful, like a handful of guards remaining on the ship to, um, you know, arrest the criminals that are here. <laughs> uh, I'm getting more and more sassy by the line. This is because I'm just a throwaway character and I don't have to be characterized very seriously. That's, that's also why I'm going into meta jokes now. Okay, thanks. That's all from me, your captain, Winona Wilfred of the USS Wilfred. Uh, we're crashing into Seattle. Put on your seatbelts, folks. Everybody freezes for half an hour while this amazingly sassy uh, <laughs> captain's uh, information gets played. Wait, I, I have a question, everyone. Wait a second. Everybody, why am I here? I don't, I don't need to be here. I could be evacuating with the rest of the crew. Cletus grabs Eddie by the shoulder. You are the legal owner of the Blue Diamond. You are the one who must keep it, else uh, yours truly and... Uh, all my old friends are going back to jail. And this is important to me, why? Uh, Cletus r rubs his forehead. I have it insured. I'm just mad that you broke my blimp. Cletus ignores him and just turns back toward the smaller blimp. All right, Fandango, the, uh, the jig is up. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that, Cletus says. Beatrice rolls her eyes. The door between the two blimps opens, 
and through the glass bridge between the blimps, Fandango and Xena tentatively step into the bigger blimp. Fandango looks frustrated. No, pissed off. He thwomps over the glass floor while Xena sort of just follows close behind him, picking at her fingernails on on one hand and um, typing away at her phone on the other. Her laptop is still uh, slung over her shoulder by by like a shoulder strap. She barely even looks up. But Fandango is staring at Cletus, staring at Beatrice, staring at Eddie Fordham, staring between all these people who have apparently betrayed him. This is... This is awful. This is so anticlimactic. How 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 could you look look at how dramatic this place is? Look at how dramatic this could be. We're going down in a glass blimp, and you're just going to to give me to the authorities? Is that is that the plan? Do you see any authorities here? As if summoned by that line, <laughs> to of Gwyn's uh, Wilfred Security Force Alpha colleagues come rushing down the glass stairs. Uh, Everybody else left, but these two, Xavier and Zach, um, (laughs) rush down two separate staircases at the same time and almost bump into each other. And And they go, oh, look at each other and, uh, oh, 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 Xavier. Zachariah, I didn't... I didn't see you there. I didn't mean to. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, but, but um, I, I'm always wait, happy to bump into you, of course. Oh, I, I mean, not, not like that. You have a you have a little on your on your chin there. A little. Oh, do I? Yes, do you want yes, to remove one, remove it? Just thank you. Yes, please. Please be gentle. Any, anyway, um, uh, we were down here to. Right. Um, the criminals. You're under arrest. Yeah. What, what he said. And they point their guns at Fandango. Oh, what a. Boar, Fandango says. This is the most boring ending to my story. You know, that's the real insult here. Why do you think it's your right to decide another man's ending? Fandango looks at Cletus. Why did you ask me to come join you on a quest you knew I couldn't fulfill? Well, you weren't supposed to know it was about the fucking blue diamond now were you you were supposed to follow the plan but of course your hubris is just as big as mine isn't it you think you can decide my ending don't you cletus vu pet shop owner yes right as if that is where you wanted to end i i suppose i expected more drama from you i expected that you were a heister worth his salt but no you're just a pet store owner it must surprise you, but it's true, Fandango. Ever since I was a boy, I wanted to have a pet store. It seems anticlimactic to you, always searching for a bigger story. But I love my store, and I didn't come here to steal a diamond. I came here because you asked me to. Or perhaps because your father did. Fandango holds eye contact with Cletus for a long moment. His 
loud, expressive anger has mellowed into a, well, perhaps hardened into a quiet, cold stare. Then he looks at Edgar Fordham, the self-proclaimed prince, who is looking back and forth between the two heisters with wide eyes, and he says, Well then, keep your diamond. Put me, put me away, whatever. Can I, can I at least see it one last time? And Edgar, in his infinite idiocy, <laughs> reaches inside his $10,000 business suit to pull out the fist-sized blue diamond and finds nothing. Um, yeah, uh, I'm sure I have it. He checks the other side of the suit somewhere. Um, and Fandango looks at Cletus and smiles and looks at Beatrice. And Beatrice raises an eyebrow and Guinevere Stone is moving to the side a little bit, trying to get a better vantage point to see what's going on. Xena is backing away and Barry Bertolini is not here. Where did Barry Bertolini go? Because right where he was is a single boot. Oh, shit. Everybody scatters. Cletus grabs Eddie Eddie Fordham and rushes past Fandango with the prince diving into the blimp. Into the smaller refueling blimp because that's the only safe place he can think of. Gwen uses her large body to cover Beatrice LaMontagne behind a crate. Zack and Xavier um, clutch one another and go right back into the stairwell from whence they came. <laughs> and Xena and Fandango just stand there looking at the others. Suddenly, Barry Bertolini pops his head up from behind another crate and says, What did you expect? Another explosion? It's just a shoe, you, 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 you silly gooses. Is it geese or gooses? And in that moment, he kicks the lever near the refueling uh, interface. Stubbing his toe terribly because he doesn't have his boots on. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> but the lever flips and the fuel nozzle unhinges automatically and gets, gets retracted automatically. And the door between the bigger blimp and the smaller blimp slams shut uh, just as Cletus is looking up confused and shouts, wait! And the two blimps decouple. Cletus Vu and Eddie Fordham, just the two of them, stuck in the small refueling blimp, drifting slowly away from the bigger blimp that is slowly sinking above Seattle. What? What? What was... <coughs> and Cletus, suddenly reminded of his age, falling out of character, has to steady himself on the wall. What the hell was that? Hey, Sam, you know, I was uh, raking leaves the other day and uh -huh. I came across something on the ground that I, I think you might, I think you might like. R really? <laughs> A pebble? Boy, I love pebbles. Well, I, I was actually this cool podcast I found. Pebble? It's, oh, sorry. It's called it's called Story Jazz. Oh, okay. oh, wow! You just found it on the ground. Yeah, yeah. It Is turns it, out it's a physical object. Yeah, it turns out that you can you can get Story Jazz almost anywhere. Get it now on a pebble. <laughs>
<laughs> Just pop that shit into your please portable don't. CD player. For all of our listeners who may not think this is a joke, please don't put pebbles in your CD players. No, don't do that. Instead, follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Story Jazz Cast, or just, you know, Google Story Jazz Podcast. It'll pop up. Um, also, send us an email at storyjazzcast at gmail.com. If you want to tell us how much you like a character or if you made fan art or if you drew stick figures and put names of the characters above them, anything, we'd love to hear from our friends. Oh, also, we've been doing a lot of like interactive stuff like um, polls and like write-ins where you can sort of influence the way that we um, make our stories. You're really being vague about it, but actually we did one in which many of you did uh, respond. And, you know, for a reminder of those listeners later on who maybe missed it. Um, the poll was about a story element for the next story. Um, a crucial which, story element. A crucial, my apologies. Uh, and the two options were a VW hippie bus or fried pickles. And you guys graciously selected fried pickles for us. So somehow, some way, we're going to add fried pickles to the next story. They will become a crucial story element of the next story, which is rumored to be winter holiday themed. Yes, rumored just between us. We keep sending rumors to one another. We don't know where it started <laughs> quite, but it's uh, the rumor is growing. The rumor is growing. That episode is going to be dropping uh, December 10th. That's when we start the new arc. For the winter holidays. In other news, um, I, Softy, uh, made my book available online for anybody who wants to read my book Ooh. and see more of our uh, storytelling. Sam was gracious enough to do a lot of editing for me. I must say it was such a delightful process, such a delightful, heartfelt, honest, and just pure book that I love to read. And I really recommend everybody to to give it a try. It's not long. It It's you know, easy to read. It's well-written, so. Yeah, it's, uh, you can find it on Wattpad. Uh, it's called Flowers for Man. Um, I'm sure if you search on Wattpad, you can find it. Or some of the links are on our social media if you if you find it there. That is Flowers for Man, as in the plant that is given to the person. If you like that, you can also let us know, but uh, I suppose more books will be coming soon, too. Um Yes, yeah. You just be cranking that out, that stuff. <laughs> I'm doing my best. All right, uh, I think that's all from us, and we look forward to to not seeing or hearing from you soon. <laughs> Enjoy this great episode. I really, I really love making this one. We love you. We love you. Once everybody realizes that the shoe probably only explodes when exposed to a microwave. <laughs> Everybody hesitantly comes out from the various hiding places. Gwen unwraps from around Beatrice. Xavier and Zach peek from the hallway staircase. And Fandango and Zena walk forward towards Barry Bertolini. Fandango extends a hand, his face unamused. Well, that went off without a hitch. Good job. Um, and Barry looks at Fandango's hand and then puts his in it and uses it to pull himself up. Uh, yeah, uh, without it, without a hitch. Uh, and as the two guards sort of don't know whether or not to raise their rifles at Fandango, Gwyn waves them off. Uh, it's all right, guys. Uh, we are not apprehending these so-called criminals, um, this is all, this is all, uh, you know, this is all under control. 
You can put the guns away. This is a this is a flash mob. We paid them to do this. <laughs> and Beatrice Lamontagne is stunned. She looks at Fandango and says, "Such a simple bait and switch. Ah, and yet it was crystal clear from the start. I cannot believe, I cannot believe you got me, Fandango. I, I, I don't say this often, but I'm impressed." And when Fandango hears that, he smiles wide because that is something he has been waiting decades to hear Beatrice say. Well, old friend, he says, just be glad you're not going to jail. And right in that moment, cap- the captain's voice comes through again. <laughs> Winona. What was it? Winona Wilfred. Why will? Hey, everybody. Winona Wilfred, captain of the USS Wilfred here once again. Um... Uh, aside from the fact that we're crashing very slowly currently, we're a blimp, right? So we crash as slowly as we fly. Um, this is really weird, but I am not in control of the ship at this point. Uh, yeah, somebody, it seems like somebody is trying to take over control of the most valuable sort of air-based fortress, uh, in the world. And, you know, that would be a, a really powerful thing to fall into some some criminal's hands. So so I'm really concerned right now. Um, I think I'm going to jettison as well. Do you say that? I don't know. I'm a captain, but I don't really have the terminology down. I'm going to evacuate the blimp because I uh, don't want to die. I don't have control over the ship. Uh, whoever does, good luck with, with landing this thing. And as the voice ends, we hear a... And she gets catapulted out of the side of the captain's court, jettisoned out of the side of the captain's quarters, <laughs> and then pops a parachute. Everybody evacuates the ship, except for the people now down in the, in the belly of it. And um, Xena pipes up and says, no worries, guys. I got it under control. And we can see that on her phone, she has hacked into the controls of the airship. Uh, hey, bu- uh, boss, uh, what the f- fuck is happening? I like keeping you uninformed, Barry. Thank you. I mean... I, yes, I mean, that's just the way you function, right? You're an improviser, so I don't want you to know about my plan. Barry Bertolini goes through smiles and frowns and smiles and frowns <laughs> as he's trying to figure out whether this is a compliment or not. But to keep it simple for you, the prize was never the diamond, friend. The prize was a mobile base of operations. The blimp! You wanted to steal the refueling blimp the whole time. No, the big, right, the big <laughs> blimp. It, you'll get it in time. Zena, where are we landing? What, what exactly is our course? Okay, so I'm uh, taking us sort of south side of Mount Rainier here. We should be able to block the airflow from filling up the open hole in the south uh, wing. If we do that, then we can block off the coffee chamber, and that'll prevent the drag from bringing us to ground. Then I can use the rest of the tank that we just refueled, and I can go anywhere within uh, 500 miles before I need to land again. So, uh, editor's pick. Whatever you want. Wonderful, Fandango says. My repair guys can meet us in Canada. Everything's legal across the border, right? And, uh... With a quick patching up of that big gaping hole in our new blimp, well, we can sail off again and be as free as any heisters have ever been. Once again, Barry, great job with the unpredictable moves. I'm not thrilled that we have to land because of this big hole in our side, but it was, it was a move. It, it surely, uh, surely shook things up. No one could have done it but you. 
Okay, so I'm still confused because I get that we didn't want the diamond. We wanted the blimp, right? Right. Well, okay, so then I might have messed up a little bit. And he reaches over to Xena, who is still wearing his top hat atop her uh, rainbow-colored space buns, picks the top hat off her head, and reveals the blue diamond, which is sitting on Xena's head. So is this a good thing or no? And everybody stares at the diamond. And Fandango rubs his forehead. <sighs> and Beatrice giggles and says, <laughs> Well, unpredictability goes both ways, Fandango. We cut back to the refueling blimp. Cletus Vu has uh, stripped his flak jacket and helmet off and is stooped over the controls, trying to figure out how to navigate the blimp and, and get it back on a course with the glass airship that's sailing steadily away. Um, uh, uh, Mr. Um, uh, Bruce, sir, your, your name tag says Bruce. It's, it's Vu. Okay, okay Bruce Vu. I'm just going to call uh, you Bruce. Uh, fine, call me Bruce. What's, what's going on and, and how come, how come you put the, the diamond in my jacket and it's gone? I, uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. I think I misjudged my, uh, colleague. I think they were after something else entirely, not the diamond, but your, uh, well, your blimp. I'm sorry you have to find out this they way. They wanted my blimp? Yes, they wanted your <laughs> blimp. You can imagine for a group of criminals such as them, a flying blimp such as yours would be the perfect place from which to plan their heists. Blimp, my blimp. My dad's going to be so mad. <laughs> Cletus has finally got a hold of the joystick. Um, a joystick? I don't, I don't know how blimps fly. <laughs> um, <laughs> research? We don't need research where we're going. Cletus turns the steering wheel on the blimp and navigates it back around to gain air again and give chase to the glass blimp heading south around Mount Rainier. Oh, uh, Bruce! Bruce Vu! Are we... are we chasing them? Are we getting my blimp back? Yes, we are chasing them, Cletus says. Can't make any guarantees for your blimp, though. But your job, when we get back there, is to keep your hands on the diamond. Once we get you the diamond, we'll get you home. Deal? Uh... Okay, deal. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do a great job of it before, but I will do my best this time. We cut back to the glass airship, and Xena is uh, navigating the blimp around the south side of Mount Rainier to block as much of the um, wind from filling up the chamber and providing drag. Uh, Fandango? Yes. We're uh, approaching Mount Rainier, so we should probably head up to the break room so we can repair the opening. Otherwise, we're not going to make it to uh, Canada. All right. Everybody, let's move as one, shall we? And everybody starts uh, climbing up the stairs because they can't all pile into the elevator. Gwyn nods her head towards Xavier and Zach, <laughs> gesturing for them to um, keep Beatrice between them. 
the whole Motley crew, plus Beatrice, I suppose she's not part of the crew. Neither is Zach and Xavier. Zach and Xavier might be now. Uh, they all arrive back in the coffee room and um, see their playing cards strewn about the glass floor. Actually, the playing cards are being flung out of the opening as the <laughs> suction of the pressure is just uh, creating a torrential airflow and, and providing huge drag on the blimp. It's cold and it's pulling them toward the opening until the blimp slips around the side of Mount Rainier and the wind is stilled for a moment. You want to do some Fandango give orders? How the fuck are they going to close this hole? I don't understand it at all. With the power of heistery, uh, we'll, 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 we'll make something. Just have Fandango give an order and then we'll, we'll improv something. All right, then. Let's get to work. Gwyn, you're big. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I've got an idea. Um, Fenego looks at the hole and says, you know, that hole is about the size of the, the vault door, isn't it? He, for some reason, he looks at Gwyn and she says, uh, I, I suppose so, yeah. Barry, do you think you can pop the old door off its hinges? Gwen, can you carry it back here? Eh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I have no tools to do such a thing, but... Uh, let's see what I come up with. <laughs> uh, and he reaches into a pocket and pulls out like three pieces of gum, two playing cars, and a bunch of tweezers. <laughs> Why do I have so many tweezers? <laughs> You'll figure something out. Go on then. And Gwyn and Barry run out down the catwalk toward the vault. And Xena calls after them. We only have like uh, three more minutes behind the mountain. Like three windless minutes. And uh, probably two and a half before our uh, pursuers catch up to us. And Fandango whips his head around. Pursuers? And he walks to, the, walks to the edge of the room and looks through the glass and sees the small refueling blimp still with the red and white lights blinking, trucking on after them, f- following them around the mountain. And it's not necessarily faster, but it's smaller, so it can run a tighter curve around Mount Rainier, and it's gaining on them. They're still unbelievable. Cletus, why don't you just go home to your birds and all those animals that you love so much? (laughs) And Beatrice uh, clears her throat. You do know that he hates birds. And Fandango whips around again and looks at her and says, What? Why would anyone hate birds? They're so free and flittery. Uh, Madagascar. And she waves her hand. (laughs) Like, don't ask. We cut to Gwen and Barry. Barry is prying the individual hinges off with the tweezers and um, <laughs> sliding cards in between the, the, the bolts in order to, to jimmy the door off its hinges. It's truly an amazing sight. <laughs> That's fucking impossible. <laughs> amazing. Um, he's used a little bit of gum to... Um, Combine tweezers and, and playing cards <laughs> somehow to a, a little... It's, it's, a, it's a feat of, of improvisation beyond even our capabilities. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Gwyn stares at him mouth agape as, she, as he does this. <laughs> but he stops for a moment and he looks up at her and he says, Gwyn, are, are, we, are we doing the right thing here? Gwen hesitates for a moment. Oh, what, what do you mean the right thing? I, I mean, you We're know, following I've, the plan, right? More, uh, more or less. Well, I clearly I wasn't in on the plan, so I'm not following the plan. But um, 
you know, I, I've stolen many things and from people who deserved it or 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 whatever. But this feels personal. Like it's between Fandango and Cletus and Beatrice and actually not about us at all. Mm. And if we do it right, we're sending Cletus to jail forever. And Beatrice too. I mean, I don't know Beatrice at all, but we're sending at least Cletus to jail. And doesn't that feel wrong? We couldn't have done this without Cletus. Well, the plan was never to uh, send Cletus to jail, really. It was, um, we weren't supposed to keep the diamond. That was your bad, so. So do we, do we toss the diamond out? Uh, maybe we give it to, to Beatrice, I don't know. But it should find its way back to Eddie. Uh, maybe we should ask Fandango about that. Have you, have you talked to Fandango recently? Do you think he's willing to listen to anyone right now? Uh, yeah, no, um, maybe, maybe not. But for now, we should concentrate on the plan, don't you think? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, but is he even going to let Beatrice go? I don't know. At this point, um, I'm just trying to concentrate on the plan in front of us. I'm just going to take the door off and we'll, we'll talk about this later. And, uh, with the last piece of gum, he... Gets the door off. Easy. No big deal. Somehow. <laughs> Man, this place really isn't as secure as it seems. <laughs> the door falls off of its hinges onto the glass catwalk, amazingly not shattering it. <laughs> yeah. And Gwyn hefts it up uh, with a little help from, from <laughs> Barry, who <laughs> sort of holds one corner of it like, uh, I, I'm helping, right? And Gwyn goes, pivot, pivot. <laughs> And they carry it down the catwalk to the open door of the break room. And even as they're walking towards it and Fandango stands out of the way and Xena's sort of made her way further towards the cockpit so that she can just drive it manually and not on her phone, she sees uh, Xavier and Zach standing on either side of Beatrice and the worried look on her face. A worry not of what's going to happen, but a worry of knowing What's going to happen? Uh, Fandango. Ah, there you are. Bring it in here. Close up the hole. We, we've only got a few more minutes. Um, can I borrow Beatrice? I think she's going to know how to affix this so it doesn't uh, spiderweb fracture further. She, she knows more about this than me. Yes, fine, fine. Good God, whatever you need. Just close it up quickly. We're, they're gaining on us. And Fandango looks, uh, uh, still looking out the back to, to see where the smaller refueling blimp is approaching, but he has lost sight of it. The red and white lights have been flicked off. And in this dark new moon night, it's impossible to know where the refueling blimp is. Beatrice squints her eyes and follows Gwen hesitantly into the low pressure, um, low-pressure break room and watches the massive woman lower the vault door over the opening and suction it up against the wall, blocking the airflow. There's only a tiny bit more of going around the sides and uh, Gwyn grabs a big, 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 big roll of tape 
um, <laughs> like construction tape to start closing up the sides. I don't know why you called me in here, Miss Stowe. Don't you? I thought you were good at predicting things, so I, I assumed you would already know. Like, I assumed we wouldn't even need to have this conversation. Well, let's just say I didn't predict it would be your conscience I would be relying upon, though I'd hoped it would be. Gwen looks at her and can't help but smile a little bit. I was uh, thinking about, well, what we talked about, about following orders and about fighting for my own ideals. And I just wanted to ask you if... Um... And in that moment, <laughs> something crashes into the side of the blimp. And <laughs> again, something crashes into the side of the blimp. Everything ra rocks for a moment. Ramming speed! <laughs> As <laughs> Kalidas rams the small refueling blimp balloon first into the undercarriage of the bigger blimp, rocking it gently back and forth, but strong enough for the door that closes up the hole to shift and for the airflow to intensify again. And like a feather sucked into a vacuum cleaner, out goes Beatrice Lamontagne. Oh, shit. Gwen looks in horror out the, <laughs> the out the open door as Beatrice has been has been flung into the open space above Mount Rainier and before she has a chance to dive out after her not quite knowing what instinct would drive would drive her to dive out an airship window as Gwen looks at this opening in the wall and the smaller refueling blimp some distance below and 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 contemplates jumping for a moment. The automatic door opens behind her. And Barry Bertolini walks in. I was just, uh, oh. And as he looks up, he sees what's going on. In his hand, he's holding his top hat. Um, I think maybe you take this for good luck. And he hands her the top hat. And Gwyn looks inside for a moment, looks at Barry then puts on the hat and jumps out the hole just in time for Fandango to come bursting back in. What the hell is going on now? What are you, are you, everybody's mad here? I think we lost uh, Beatrice and Gwen out the hole. Yes, I saw that they fell. Did she, did she jump? I think, is Gwen, everybody going totally? I think Gwen jumped after Beatrice. Oh, she's saving her. Great. Ah. <sighs> My own colleagues are risking their lives for strangers now? You there, you, you two, you over there, the guards. You're promoted. <laughs> you're, you're part of the heist crew now. Shoot them or something. Shoot, shoot holes in that smaller blimp. Xavier and Zach kind of look at each other nervously and, 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 and shrug and run over to the hole um, and start firing rifles out of the hole. As they do so, Zach touches his uh, security force earpiece and says, uh, Miss Stone, uh, are are you okay? Did did you survive that? And all we're, all we're getting is. <laughs> With a thump, 
Beatrice lands on the soft, cushiony balloon of the refueling blimp below. And then moments later, with another larger thump, Gwen lands behind her with a top hat on. But before they can exchange words, the balloon is heading up to ram the glass blimp above again, so they need to reposition. Gwen, to reposition, grabs uh, Beatrice the Montaigne and slides off the edge of the blimp, wrapping one hand around one of the cables. Her sheer muscly weight is enough to undo the cable from around the balloon, and the two of them swing down around the undercarriage and slam against the passenger side door. On the inside, Eddie is just sort of looking around, and, and suddenly two women's faces smash against the glass next to him. Um, uh, Bruce Lou, should we let our guests in? Cletus spins around surprised and says, When I called you, Beatrice, I didn't expect this is how you'd show up. And Beatrice, her face pressed against the glass, goes, I need to hold on. And with a psh, the door opens and uh, Eddie, Eddie Fordham lets the two women in. Gwyn and Beatrice tumble exhausted from the strain of that stunt inside the blimp and shut the door, gasping for air, which is thankfully a lot more pressurized in here. Cletus turns around and looks at them and says, Gwen, how nice of you to join us. Uh, yeah. Um. When I set out to just ram the blimp, I didn't really have a plan. I was counting on you to pull through. <laughs> when you shake a tree, you don't always know what's going to fall out. <laughs> I was counting on you to pull through. Gwen points a finger at herself. What? What, me? You were counting on, on me? Well, you or Barry. Both of you seemed sort of, seemed like uh, you had a mind of your own and wouldn't just bow to Fandango's whims. I suppose I should tell you we have this then. And she pulls out her top hat, reaches inside further than her arm would normally go, <laughs> and pulls out a shimmering blue diamond. Cletus looks at it and looks at Beatrice and both of them simultaneously Exhale. And then Eddie Eddie Fordham goes, Oh, that's mine. That's my job. I'm supposed to hold on to that. Let me just, let me just, and he, you know, fingers tingling, walks over, you know, <laughs> uh, waddles over and puts both hands on it and takes it out of Gwen's hand. Remind me, remind me to give you a raise. You're the best security officer I've ever had. <laughs> Except for the fact that I lost my blimp. But that's a, you know. And the, as the weight falls off Cletus's shoulders, he um, looks toward the horizon where now the bigger blimp is picking up speed again. Past Mount Rainier, it is speeding off toward Canada. Tell me, Beatrice, when I called you to do security consulting for Eddie Fordham, did you predict this is how the night would finish? <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, in my mind... Uh, Vu would have known that this is going yeah, awry yeah, yeah. because Fandango's involved yeah, and would have yeah. called Beatrice been like, I need you on the inside. Beatrice goes, Hmm, I suppose I hoped it would go a bit different. Cletus looks at her and she says, I hoped 
my predictions about Fandango were wrong. Cletus nods. I hoped he hadn't become what his father had feared most. And Cletus says, We both know sometimes you take a few steps back before you figure out how to go forward. I still have hope for our little Fandango. And back on the bigger blimp, Fandango, Xena, Barry, and their two new recruits, Zack and Xavier, <laughs> are all I'm together. I'm so excited for the second arc <laughs> and we get to figure out all the skills Zack and Xavier have. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're all back together in the cockpit, the blimp gliding northward to Canada. And Fandango is frustrated. What's up, boss? Uh, are you, are you all right? I'm just, I don't understand it. Like, yes, they had to double cross me or triple cross me or quadruple cross me or whatever you want to call it. But I suppose they see me as the bully in the situation? After years, decades of us being bullied by the rich and powerful and us fighting back, why shouldn't we be allowed to bully them now? Do you see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm powerful now. I can have this blimp if I want to. And I can continue to carry out this power. But they don't want to let me have that. He's seething. And Barry doesn't really know what to say. And then Fandango says, Well, at least... At least we still have their precious diamond. Show it to me, Barry. Give me the diamond. I need something to marvel at. And he looks over his shoulder. Barry! The diamond, you, you still have it, right? Uh, no. And as we pull away from the blimp, we see it from the outside in one final <laughs> cinematic shot. <laughs> as Fandango's scream of the word fuck echoes loud enough to make the glass on the side of the blimp crack just a little more. We hear the shuffling of feet on a doormat and the unlocking of a door as our old friend Cletus Fu walks into his house again for the first time in a week. He hangs his old Baker Boy hat and runs his hand through the little remains of his hair and looks up the stairs. Hey, Eleanor, I'm home. And then he walks up the stairs, not even kicking off his shoes because he misses her. And he'd like to see her again. I have... Quite a story for you this time. This is a heist you would have loved. And I met someone who's just as unpredictable as you. <laughs>